Hello everybody and welcome to Thousand Eight Man Live. My name is Felix Krüger and yeah I'm really excited about this one. SE Live is your weekly dose of German accents and for some your weekly dose of the latest Thousand Eight Man insights. And I am dialing in live here from sunny Sydney, 30 degrees Celsius or 86 degrees Fahrenheit for our American listeners. So told me Google anyway. Yeah, I just wanted to briefly touch on last week's episode. We had a few technical issues, um, so sorry about that. Lucky that we're not saving lives here. If you want to catch up on last week's session, please make sure to check out the State of Sales Enablement podcast, where we always republish the recordings of these sessions. This week, we are all about social media and social selling simply because we had Anna Rokina on the podcast uh, with a great interview. So for those of you who are not familiar, Anna, Anna Rokina is one of the leading social selling experts previously in the APAC region, but last week relocated to Georgia, not Georgia in the US, but the country Georgia out of all places, which is, as far as I was told, a beautiful place with a really high quality of living. Anna is originally from Russia, so that might explain the proximity. But yeah, she just recently relocated and we were lucky enough to get hold of her before she did to talk about some of the key insights around social selling and what is needed to make social selling a success in 2022 in B2B sales. And yeah, for those of you who have not been able to catch the, the full interview, I highly recommend uh, listening to it. And she uh, really follows a no-nonsense no approach, which is uh, something that I really appreciate about her. And she, yeah, just really tells it how it is and is also able to share real-world insights because she has let social selling programs for Oracle and Lenovo and a few um, other large enterprise uh, clients of hers in the APEC regions. It's not one of those gurus that you find on LinkedIn. It's actually somebody who's really been there, done that, and is actually able to share what works and what doesn't without being being jaded by, by any agenda. Really awesome uh, to listen to her insights. And let's take a listen to the first item that we have here and content ecosystem content in a broader sense your ecosystem of subject matter experts people who are passionate about the solution and the product who will help you generate those conversations online those videos long-form content short-form content your customer advocates people who are on the front lines people who interact with your customers and know their real pain points not the people who created that buyer persona, but people who actually interact with customers. Those will be the pillar of your content ecosystem. Those will be the source of inspiration for the content. All right. So I absolutely loved that comment that she made. The people who created the buyer persona, it's a really funny one because it's obviously marketing. There's a lot of criticism always that marketing departments aren't close enough to the customer for being able to share those sort of insights and the sort of dynamic that you typically deal with within organizations when it comes to content creation is that marketing is the key team with those capabilities that would then supply sales with content to then use on social media and for social selling activity. And I think something to consider here is 
that what Anna says about subject matter experts being involved in creating content, I think that really comes down to buyer acumen and subject matter expertise. Of course, you need to be able to talk about the solution on offer with authority. But from my point of view, subject matter expertise these days in the sales context is more and more about buyer acumen and buyer expertise. And I think... Uh, there's a big opportunity, as always, for sales to upskill on that front. But also, if you think about content production, I think it is really worthwhile for marketing to make an active effort to be closer to the buyers, to be able to support sales on that front. And there's a lot of marketing thought leaders like Chris Walker out there that really advocate for being closer to the customer and actually spending time with the customer to understand their pain points, their day-to-day, how they operate in their jobs and how the solution on offer really feeds into solving those issues that customers have to deal with on a day-to-day basis. I think that is true for marketing when it comes uh, to the content creation, but I think that's also particularly true for sales as always. And that's something that I see in my work with clients in my company fast forward when we talk to sales that's still something that we see lacking in terms of buyer acumen meaning that there's often not the knowledge there that really allows sales to not only create content for social media but also to then uh, utilize content that might be created by the marketing department to then continue the conversation with buyers with authority so i think it's lacking everywhere and considering how many bad salespeople are out there on social media and how many really transactional sellers that have no idea about the real pain points of the buyers are out there utilizing platforms like LinkedIn or engage in forums that are relevant to buyers. I think there's a really big opportunity for sales to upskill on that front and not only be close to buyers in terms of the, the way they interact with them and the way they communicate or the communication frequency, But there's an opportunity to develop true buyer acumen, which considers trends, best practices, benchmarks. And I think that's a real big frontier ahead for a lot of B2B sales organizations to scale the approach to um, teaching buyer acumen across the, the organization and to really capitalize on those small centers of excellence that you might have or those pockets of excellence that you might have within the sales team to really let the whole organization benefit from that buyer exposure. So I think uh, there's there's real truth in what what Anna said here in her comment around content creation. It is really uh, crucial to include those subject matter experts in creating content, but it's equally as important to transfer that knowledge and that subject matter expertise when it comes to buyers to the broader sales team yeah now the next comment that she made was around digital fluency and what it really uh, means for sellers in 2022 and let's take a listen what she said on that front there's more independence there's more flexibility i think more authority to create your own content as well so the new skill set is not just digital fluency in terms of how well you know the platforms and tools, but how do you network online? How open you are to starting conversations, to making connections with people you will probably never meet offline. All right. So this is an interesting one. And something that I can certainly confirm from my experience is that 
the flexibility has certainly increased. You still see some social media profiles from not only sellers, but from all kinds of people using their social media profiles in a business context that states the views are my own. I think that's still a legacy statement from the time where there wasn't that flexibility and people weren't really allowed uh, to use social media in a business context by their employers just because companies didn't really have that understanding of the power of it being used and haven't had really the policies in place to inform people on how to use it responsibly without damaging the company. I think there's a lot more flexibility on that front. And I think the knowledge of platform and the usage of platform is also something that is a baseline that is pretty much has become normal. So everybody knows how LinkedIn works. Some people know what best practice looks like, but I think the the ultimate capability these days in terms of social selling, as Anna said, is to really shift your mindset in the way you use social media and really be open to utilizing social channels as a way to build relationships with people that you might never uh, meet in person. And I think that's a mind shift that I certainly see in market that hasn't happened in a mainstream way. So I think there's still a lot of room for improvement. And again, a lot of opportunity for sales team to actually adopt that mindset. If you look at the stats on LinkedIn, and there's also a lot of surveys in terms of how people use social platforms, there's still a lot of um, there's still a lot of lurkers, as Anna um, called them. So there's there's people just lurking and consuming content without engaging in any shape or form in in visible ways. They don't like content. They don't comment on content. They don't share content. So they're just consuming it. And I get that all the time. I publish a lot of content on LinkedIn and. There are a lot of people that tell me later on in conversations, people that I know personally, oh yeah, I saw this one post of yours, I really liked it, but I had no indication whatsoever that they had really engaged with it. So I think uh, this is probably also where a lot of companies come from that are not convinced in terms of social selling and that really see social selling as a fad. They don't see immediate results, so they think it's a waste of time. But what I certainly see is also in sales conversations that I lead is that the buyers that I speak to or the prospects that I speak to, they engage with my content and they they see my content and they consume my content without uh, them actually actively engaging. And they tell me in conversations after the fact that they have seen a certain content piece that I really liked. And that's certainly proved to me that there's still an effect being created, even though the engagement might not be obvious. And I think that the sort of reach that you generate on social media, which is indicated by the post stats that you're able to see as the person uh, posting, really indicates the power that comes with social media content if you distribute it effectively and consistently. Yeah, I think awesome episode interview with Anna Rokina. So again, I would highly uh, recommend uh, you tuning in if you are interested in learning more about social selling and potentially come continue the conversation with Anna. She puts a lot of great content out there. She actually, I don't know if that's still the case, but she used to have her own uh, weekly live stream as well in the trust enablement community. So if you're a part of that, um, it might be worth connecting there as well to see if she will do one of those streams in the future. I've certainly learned a lot from her. And yeah, I think it's highly uh, relevant these days if you consider the opportunity that's out there. Now, 
Next segment is our news segment. And there's a few news items that I want to touch on. Uh, news item number one is the big news around the Facebook shares and the Meta, which is the holding company that owns Facebook. And I read that uh, news snippet out for you here. It reads, Facebook shares have dropped by 26% after weaker than expected result, according to CNBC. Shares of Facebook parent Meta closed down more than 26% Thursday after the company forecasted weaker than expected revenue growth in the next quarter. It is also said it's taking a big hit from Apple's privacy changes and showed the first quarterly decline in ac daily active users on record. The stock finished with its biggest one-day drop ever ahead of the 19% plummet it saw in July 2018. Thursday's drop shaved more than $230 billion from its market cap, bringing it to about $660 billion. So if you hear all those numbers, it's really hard to feel sorry for Facebook. And the reason uh, I picked this news story is for a couple of reasons. So number one is I, I used to be a sales enabler in the media space. When I was at Fairfax, and we were competing with uh, Facebook and also Google. And those companies, those big tech companies were taking a really big share of our uh, revenue. And we were selling essentially uh, audiences, like that's what we had in common, Fairfax Media, more in an editorial environment, like news websites, and Facebook and Google, more focused on audience data, and essentially aggregating uh, audience data and selling advertising. On that basis, Google and Facebook, for those who are not familiar, they uh, these days own about 80% of the advertising market, and the remaining 20% is reserved for traditional news publishers. On that front, I think it's a quite interesting uh, story because it really changes the dynamic from a sales perspective in the advertising market. So there's still a lot of people that I know in the Australian market that uh, work in sales roles in that space. And I'm sure those people will be all over that news and will take that as an opportunity uh, to really push on the sales front in selling to media agencies. And I think the second uh, part of that announcement that is quite interesting is, and it's always interesting from a sales perspective, because as you CEOs are the ultimate salespeople when it comes to their company's stock, if they are listed on a stock exchange. And I think it's quite interesting what we saw recently from Mark Zuckerberg. He was uh, selling the vision of Facebook entering the metaverse, as he calls it. So it's essentially a second life on the internet, which is um, all about virtual and augmented reality. And a lot of people weren't quite sure about that because the picture that he painted was A, seemed to be very far away, very futuristic, and B, the applications weren't really that relevant. And I, th I heard a lot of people in the sales space talk about that announcement as well, just simply because they wanted to stay up to date with the sort of uh, digital channels that uh, you would expect in the future to become more and more relevant to buyers as well. I don't think we'll see sales meetings uh, taking place in the metaverse anytime soon, but a lot of people were skeptical of that uh, sort of announcement. And then the recent plunge in the stock prices were then a continuation of that skepticism around Mark Zuckerberg's sales pitch. So I think it always fascinates me how uh, CEOs and how companies pitch their strategic vision to the stock market and how the stock market reacts on the basis of uh, the company then being able to deliver on that vision. So again, I think that's on a larger scale what happens in 
uh, B2B sales on a regular basis. Your customers gain confidence based on the quality of the pitch being delivered. And then you see then uh, sustainable revenue being generated based on whether or not you're able to then deliver on that vision. So I think it's always fascinating to, to watch the stock markets and how CEOs actually create their pitches. And this was certainly a prominent um, example from last week. Now, the other announcement that I also wanted to share was that sales tech platform uh, Scratchpad has closed a Series B funding round. So the announcement reads on TechCrunch, uh, Scratchpad naps $33 million Series B to continue building sales workspace. Scratchpad, a startup that is building a tool to make it easier for salespeople to enter data into Salesforce, has expanded that mission to give access to the information it's collecting to the whole revenue team. Apparently, investors were pleased with that expanded approach and the company announced a 33 million Series B today. So there was actually an announcement from a couple of weeks ago. I just think it's uh, very interesting to see those uh, sort of ser Series A and Series B funding announcements being made in the sales tech space, uh, just simply because the numbers are getting really ginormous these days, uh, which is a reflection of really the hype being created in sales tech. But it's also a reflection of the confidence that investors uh, have in sales tech gaining more traction and certainly the conversations that I had recently in markets with clients and potential clients really shows that there's a real heavy focus on investment in sales tech. So the hype continues and uh, Scratchpad, which seems to be solving two big problems, which is entering data into Salesforce, which is a problem that exists as long as Salesforce exists, as far as I'm aware. And the second uh, problem being data sharing across the revenue team, which also becomes more and more re relevant with sales enablement, gaining more traction and all parts of the go-to-market team um, essentially being able to benefit from Salesforce data. So I think, yeah, I'm not particularly familiar with Scratchpad, but it's certainly uh, something to look out for. The other article that was also published on TechCrunch, which I also found quite interesting, was about sales kickoffs and how to organize and um, execute an effective hybrid sales kickoff event in 2022. And the reason I found this announcement quite interesting was that they actually shared some research data. And what they're saying here is that about 27% expressed interest in attending events in person only. Um, about 34% uh, uh, prefer to attend virtually and 39% wanted to participate in hybrid events with both both in-person and virtual components. And yeah, I think in terms of sales kickoffs, that's a hot topic. There's been a lot of uh, discussion around that recently in the sales enablement space. And I think if you consider the numbers here in terms of the interest in attending in-person events, uh, attending virtually and 39% wanting to participate in hybrid events. I think that really shows the uh, flexibility and the fragmentation that you're seeing these days in terms of content consumption and engagement with those sort of events. On Recently, there was an interesting conversation on LinkedIn around the topic of webinars, and there were a lot of people that were saying they only register for web webinars to consume them on demand. And I think uh, that's really a reflection of people just having a lower tolerance in terms of certain experiences online being imposed on them. So I think that sort of thinking also needs to be 
applied uh, not only to sales conversations, um, but also if you're a sales leader or a sales enabler, and that sort of thinking about multi-channel content consumption and engagement of the sales team should really be food for thought in terms of how leadership is approached, but also how those, those sort of sales kickoff events are being structured, which is obviously always a big, a big milestone within the year for sales teams. And I think there's a lot of platforms that sort of try to solve that, create engaging online versions of sales kickoffs, but I don't see anybody who has 100% nailed that and really crack that formula that really works for all companies and all sales reps out there. All right, just to finish off, I also wanted to share a couple of thoughts on consistency and sales on social media as well. There was a random conversation that we had about consistency in sales on LinkedIn. So uh, James Fielding, a contact of mine on LinkedIn, he's the um, head of sales enablement for Grant Thornton here in Australia. Uh, I was actually talking about how he gave away all his business shirts because he's only working from home now. And that led into a conversation around consistency in sales because you also have to make sure that you update your profile picture so the person in the meeting doesn't give a, a completely different vibe to what you were expecting and social profiles and so on. And I think there's a lot of truth in it. And, you know, if you consider relationships being uh, really integral to sales and relationships build, being built on trust, I think con consistency is really key to building that trust. And especially if you if we talk about social sales and salespeople approaching potential buyers online, at the end of the day, salespeople are only uh, strangers in that context, unless there has been a deeper engagement along the way. And I think it's really key to be consistent in your presence online as a salesperson to be able to build that trust. And, and it's really an opportunity for salespeople to project what the brand is all about onto social media and then guide potential buyers into avenues that allow for deeper engagement from social media to things like webinars or workshops to then Zoom calls and more in-depth conversations. So I think creating that consistency early on in the conversation on social media, just to feed into the social theme of this episode is really key to building the foundation for robust uh, relationships. So I want to leave you um, with that thought. Again, if you're interested in talking about any of the topics that I touched on today in more detail, please connect with me on LinkedIn. And I also would like to encourage you to subscribe to the State of Sales Enablement podcast, if you haven't already. Thank you so much for joining as always. We'll be again live next week and I will speak to you soon. Bye-bye.